Hello there. This is Dave and you're listening to What Does Star Wars Mean to You? The show where we talk to all kinds of fans of Star Wars from industry insiders to indie artists, from mega collectors to obsessive mythologists to find out how Star Wars impacted their life. Here's the thing, Star Wars has become so divisive that it's almost impossible to talk about it without starting a hate debate. So let's change the conversation from what is right or wrong with Star Wars to what does Star Wars mean to you? Today, it's episode seven, part two of my conversation with J.C. Reifenberg. J.C. is a director, a writer. He's worked for Major League Baseball and is the producer for Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond podcast. But what he may be best known for is being the creator and owner of the famed Scum and Villainy Cantina, the intergalactic geek bar nestled in the wretched hive of Hollywood, Los Angeles. Last week, we talked about how his obsession with Star Wars started and how he consumed nearly everything Star Wars, including watching the movies as taped off of commercial TV nearly every single night. And that set the stage for the next part of his Star Wars journey, starting with his appearance on Rosie O'Donnell, being on MTV's TRL, and meeting George Lucas himself. I'm going to let him tell you all about that. So first, let's talk about this week. It's Thursday, April 27th. For all of those who are anticipating Jedi Survivor, I'm very jealous of you because I don't have a next-gen console, so I will not be playing it for the foreseeable future. I only bring this up because I don't want it to seem like I'm ignoring it. I'm not. I loved the first game. It was fantastic. It was so much fun to play. I'm just brooding in my booth, cursing that it didn't come out for the older consoles. So, that's the that on that. What else? Oh, I saw a Twitter post the other day uh, that asked the question, after 10 years of Disney owning Star Wars, how do you feel about the franchise? And then it gave three options. Great, you're happy where it is and everything that it's done. Conflicted, which was basically enjoying some of the shows, but a lot's off the mark, and they need George Lucas's advice and guidance. And finally, sad, which was basically, it's not Star Wars without George Lucas. Here's the thing. Those three absolutes don't allow for much. Your relationship to what you stand is complex and ever-evolving. It doesn't just sit, mint and package exactly as it's always been. I was not a fan of The Last Jedi when I first saw it and would get into arguments with my friend Chad who loved it. The movie just went so against my expectations that I didn't know how to react. But in time, I really grew to admire it. And it's more than just there's some good parts. I can see through my own fandom expectations and see what Ryan Johnson was trying to do, and I sincerely like some of it. Like, if you think about it, it's Empire Strikes Back in reverse. Empire starts on a snow planet, Last Jedi ends on a salt planet. There's a student who seeks out a hermit who lives on an island as opposed to a bog. They go to a gambling city instead of a cloud city. All of this echoes George Lucas's feeling that these movies and scenes need to rhyme. And that's just one example. But here's the thing, I've grown to appreciate The Last Jedi a lot, like how I've grown to appreciate the prequel trilogy. And if my fandom were mint and package, that change would never have happened. Never could have happened. I, I know we all know this, but I feel like social media is about statements of absolutes and hyperbole. And being a franchise fan, a fan of any franchise, is a lot more subtle. Because really, your relationship with your fandom is your relationship with yourself. And that's part of what I'm trying to figure out on this show. Listening to people talk about what they love about Star Wars helps me see beyond my own fandom and a different side of Star Wars. And I hope it helps you too. I also hope you are enjoying hearing other fans talk about what they love about Star Wars. Now you know this is coming. Having said all that... I now have to say this. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. If you're liking the show, please give it a five-star rating and review. Let us know and get in on the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at Star Wars Mean To You. 
That's at Star Wars Mean, the number two in the letter U. Part two of my conversation with J.C. Reifenberg continues right after this break. Cinema Craptaculous is your podcast destination for all things movies, good and bad, streaming series, good and bad, and pop culture, good, bad, and the ugly. You get a totally different show every week, such as People Also Watched with Adam, Dave, and Tara. They're three industry insiders who always find the hilarity in the big-budget feature and the lesser-known feature you may have missed. There is, of course, the expanded universe. This is your place to geek out. John Dawkins S'more are your geek experts to talk about what's going on in the world of uh, streaming series, movies, superheroes, pretty much any showbiz geek topic, they're going to talk about it. And, of course, there's the show that started it all, Cinema Craptaculous, with Stephanie, John, and Dave. You don't even need to have seen the movies these guys talk about to have a good time. So what are you waiting for? Go and subscribe to Cinema Craptaculous wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Picking up in 1999, <laughs> I started, somebody told me that Rosie O'Donnell was, was talking about Star Wars on her television show all the time. So I uh, started watching Rosie O'Donnell in the weeks leading up to Star Wars Episode One's release. Still wearing Jedi robes in school. Uh, <laughs> hitting the second semester senior vibes hard and uh i was an umpire for little league baseball and i'd saved a bunch of money and it was announced on the rosie o'donnell show that tomorrow tickets for the charity premiere in chicago of the rosie o'donnell of the star wars episode one were going on sale tickets were 500 bucks you got to see the movie on the sunday the 16th And for the low, low price of $500 in 1999, I got to see the newest Star Wars three days early, 72 hours early. That's like, that's like less than 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, exactly. And I make about that umpiring. How can I not? So me and and Trevor still, (laughs) uh, and two other friends, uh, Neil and Chad spent $500, like, Neil like borrowed the money from his parents. Trevor was working at a grocery store. I know. I think Neil and Trevor were both working at a grocery store and used that money. Chad pulled from his bar mitzvah money. <laughs> and we went and we saw Star Wars at McClurg Court in downtown Chicago. And Rosie O'Donnell had been talking about her limo driver wanted or was the knew more about Star Wars than anything. And Let's rewind back to like third grade when it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I want to be. Oh, and that was the other thing. Steve Sansweet on QVC. Do you remember watching Steve Sansweet on QVC talk about Star Wars and sell like whatever like icons or like U.S. Mint or like Star Wars I, plates? The only uh, thing I got, I, I never saw a QFC because I didn't have cable back then. But I did from a TV guide get a Star Wars plate. Yeah, okay, so Steve Sansweet was on QVC one night talking about Star Wars. Uh, and I'll never forget this. Like, my friend Trevor and I sat in my basement. We watched it, and he he had a trivia question. I'm going to quiz you with the Steve Sansweet trivia question that I still use and remember to this day. The bounty hunters, he was talking about the bounty hunters Forlom and Zuckus and yeah. how they, in the original action figure line, the packaging was switched. They labeled... Forlom is Zuckus and Zuckus is Forlom. Forlom is the droid. He goes, do you know what Forlom stands for? Oh, man. I did at one time. Four when LLM. I was, uh, uh, you know what? I do not. I mean, I, I know I did because I read the Bounty Hunter book in, in uh, you know, Tales of the Bounty Hunters. It was, he was named Forlom by ILM or by 
ILM or Kenner stands for for the love of money. L-O-M. I was going to say love of man, and I knew that couldn't be right. Anyway, very like. For love of money. That's like a rich person's license plate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So when I was growing up, I wanted to be known world round as the Star Wars trivia champion of the world. I wanted to become the new Steve Sansweet. Uh, and then I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And then I wanted to be an 80s <laughs> pair band rocker. Those were the things I wanted to do with my life. So Rosie O'Donnell, fast forward back to 1999. Rosie O'Donnell's like, my limo driver knows more about Star Wars than anybody. I live in Connecticut. He drives me down to, to 30 Rock every day. And he's like, you know, Rosie, the Ewoks are actually, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, I can't. I can't let Rosie O'Donnell be on national TV talking about this doofus who (laughs) knows more about Star Wars than anybody. Like, I know more about Star Wars than anybody. And also, like, to all the, like, Star Wars explained and Star Wars theory people on YouTube, like, I'm amazed by them because, like, they know everything about all Star Wars today, which, like, you have to keep in mind when I'm talking about knowing everything about Star Wars. I knew everything about Star Wars when there were six total hours of Star Wars, plus two two Ewok movies, and from Star Wars to Jedi. So, like, I had like eight or nine hours of Star Wars memorized. We got like eighteen hours of Star Wars just this year. So, or yes. just in 2022, right? And then Bad Batch just came out last night, and I haven't even had a chance to think about watching it yet. Anyway. So, like, I had a firm grasp on that. I had a firm grasp on, like, the books because I was, like, consuming. I could now read yep. faster. I was reconsuming the books as much as possible. And, and back and then, so, like, uh, that was reaching the point where the books started coming out faster and faster, uh, mm-hmm. like the TV shows now, where it's yeah, getting harder to keep up. Um, and so I went up to Rosie O'Donnell who was sitting three rows behind me in the movie theater. And I was like, I'd love to challenge your limo driver to Star Wars trivia. I'm the best in the world. <laughs> She's like, he's sitting right there. Challenge him. <laughs> so I challenge him. His name is Jimmy. I was like, I challenge you to Star Wars trivia. He's like, all right, bro. We'll meet up at the after party. Never met up at the after party. That Monday... Because we went to the premiere in Jedi robes, right? For yeah. young guys in Jedi robes. Everybody now, else. Were you the right? only one in robes at the. Oh, uh, no. We, all four of us were. Oh, but, but only the four of us. Nobody yeah. else. Was Your group were nope. the only one in robes. Yeah. So we okay. were on like the front page of the Chicago Sun Times. We were on all the news stations, all of that. Get home from school. And Rosie O'Donnell starts telling the story on Monday. And she's like, and I met these kids who are like, challenge jimmy to trivia so like we're gonna bring him on the show the show ends and i am freaking out (laughs) because i haven't gotten a phone call yet the second the show ends they call me they're like hey we want to bring you on the show but we gotta make sure you know star wars trivia and they like ask me a few like Like, questions what is luke's last name yeah i know it was like yeah it was like like I don't know. It was like, what's Luke's call sign in the Battle of oh. Yavin and some stuff. And then, like, they asked me some question, like, some question about, like, Lando that was, the answer was incorrect, and I had to explain to them why the answer was incorrect. And so they're like, okay, we're bringing you on the show. So the next day, Tuesday, May 18th, they flew me and my friend Neil out to New York 
And then on the uh, put us up at the Parker Meridian that night, we walked around New York. We had never been there before. We ended up, we're like, well, we want to go to FAO Schwartz, the toy store, yeah, right? Yeah. Big. And they were having a private Lucasfilm party that night at FAO Schwartz, <laughs> the night before the movie. So we like hung out outside FAO Schwartz and talked to the security guards and like looked inside to see if we could see anybody famous. And oh my God, what a wonderful night. And then yeah. the next day, a car picks us up and takes us to Rockefeller. We were in um, Will Ferrell's dressing room because Rosie shared dressing rooms with the people from uh, Saturday Night Live. And we're sitting there and we're like, what are they going to, me and Neil are going back and forth. What are they going to quiz us on? How are we going to do that? Like, oh my God, we can't lose. We're going to be on TV and we tell everybody we're the best. And what are we going to do? And so we're like quizzing each other on like, who flew Rogue Four at the Battle of Thyfera? <laughs> Which is from like the Michael Stackpole X-Wing. Like we're not even, we know the movie so well. We're like digging deep and like we're trying to figure it out and we can't figure it out. And we're like, God, what if they ask us this? Like we know who flew every rogue in every mission and who died when and what. And like, and then like as we're getting taken out to wait, wait to go on the show. He's like, dude, he was like, uh. Nobody threw, flew Rogue Four at Battle of Thyfera. In the previous battle, Rogue Four had died and Thyfera <laughs> happened too quickly. And so they hadn't, they flew with 11 instead of 12. And I was like, yes, we're going to win. <laughs> and so like, we went out and we did our thing. We got all 10 questions right. The limo driver got all 10 questions right. Famously, it was the episode, I was on the same episode as Tom Selleck when he got in a huge fight with her about the NRA and gun control and people freaked out. They brought us back on at the end of the show to try to like, Oh, look, the kids are back. Forget about this controversial thing we just did. And they asked each one of us a question. Um, They asked me, what is princess Leia's cell number in the death star? It's 2187. They asked Neil, what is the number on the trash compactor in the death star? Three, two, six, three, eight, two, seven. They asked Jimmy, what, um, in Empire Strikes Back, or uh, what? Are, when Han's fixing the Millennium Falcon, he asks Chewie for two tools. What are they? And Jimmy's like a wrench and a hammer. I don't know. And he's like, do you, she's like, do you boys know? And I was like, yeah, it's alluvial dampeners and um, hydro spanner. And she's like, actually, it's a fission cutter and a hydro spanner. I was like, it is not. <laughs> Go watch the movie. It's an Empire. Go Strikes to the Back. tape. Go to the tape. Uh, but it was the end of the show. She's like, frankly, I trust you guys more than my writers. Here you go. We won these <laughs> giant, like 36 by 36 by 36 boxes of toys that were shipped to our house. Really, really fun. Life goal complete. I am on national live TV proving to the world that I am the Star Wars trivia champion of the world. It was amazing. Then I go to college and I'm like the Star Wars guy at college, of course. And then I moved to Hoboken, New Jersey, thinking I'm hot shit, video editor, can't get a job. Start working at Midtown Comics in Times Square. I work at Midtown Comics for nine months until I get a job at Major League Baseball. As the baseball season is winding down in August, I get a second job. The baseball job is at night. I get a second job during the day working for Business Week TV, which is a financial news show. I quit. When I get that, I quit Midtown Comics. You get a phone call a few weeks later from my boss at Midtown. Hey, somebody from MTV was in here looking for the biggest Star Wars fans in the world, I told them you were the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. <laughs> Send them an email. Now, I'm 22. I'm working nights at Major League Baseball. I'm working as a, I'm interning as a producer's assistant. I'm working on this TV show. 
I like work 120 hour plus weeks, but I've learned how to write a business email. <laughs> and I've got cred from we're at Midtown Comics. So I write the casting director of MTV's TRL. Now, TRL mattered back then. It was a show. It was oh, like a big deal. It was deal. the show. Uh, dear so-and-so, Rob from Midtown Comics told me to reach out to you. My name's JC Reifenberg. He said he talked to, about me to you. Here's why I'm the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. And it was at the end of their casting process. So they were like, hey, can you come in today at like three o'clock? I was like, I have work, but like, yes. So I like bailed from business week early, walked over to TRL, sitting on the sidewalk, waiting, being like, this is never going to happen. Then they come down. They bring me up to the casting offices. They sit me down just like you have, put a camera on me. And they're like, tell me why you love Star Wars. I take a deep breath and I talk for like 25 minutes without stopping. <laughs> Similar to what you're seeing tonight. Yeah. And they start cracking up just like you are. They're like, okay, good enough, good enough, good enough, good enough. They're like, the prize for this is the best thing you can imagine. So the producers have made need to, us to make sure that you are as good as you say you are. And they were like, also, don't tell anybody that you are on the Rosie O'Donnell show because people hate it when the same privileged people get to do this stuff. But like, you're so much fun. We have to put you on the show if you can answer these 10 Star Wars trivia questions. So they asked me 10 Star Wars trivia questions. I get them all right. They were, were they like, harder or easier than the Rosie O'Donnell They were from episode one, episode two, four, five, and six. So some of them were really easy. Like, what's the name of, Aunt, of Admiral Akbar's spaceship? Home one. Some of them were really hard because they were from Star Wars episode one and two, which at that time, Star Wars episode two had come out in 2002. I think it had just gotten a home video release a year yeah. later. So like, you couldn't really like watch it the same way. Um, they were like, you are, we've interviewed like 1400 people and you're the only one who got all 10 questions, right? Jeez. I was like, what's the, what was the question that everybody got wrong? And the question was, and we'll see if you can answer okay. it, People know it more now. And I talk about this all the time, but you have to remember like episode two's only been out of the theater for a year at the beginning of star Wars episode two. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker have just returned from what planet? Oh, I don't know. So, like, you think back to episode two, right? And you're like, well, you first see Obi-Wan and Anakin. They're in the elevator going up yeah. to Padme's apartment. And they're talking about uh, the nest of Gundarks and this and this. And they mention a planet in there. Cato Nemoidia. Uh, not Cato Nemoidia. Uh, I don't remember what it is anymore. And so everybody, everybody gave that planet name. And in the moment... I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, they're talking about a, a, an adventure between episode one and episode yeah. two. Like that didn't, that's not where they were at right before episode two. What could it be? Well, what happens in episode two right before that? Corday dies, Padme's ship blows up. She's revealed the decoy. They go to the Palpatine's office and Mace Wind and Palpatine is manipulating the Jedi saying, oh, maybe Master Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker can be your protector. <laughs> and and Windu goes, that's possible. Master Kenobi's just returned from a border dispute on Ancyon. Oh. Ancyon's the answer. I was the only one in New York <laughs> City who got that right. So it, I go on the show. <clears throat> okay, I, go I do just want to quickly say, and you do a pretty mean Ian McDermott as the Palpatine. <laughs> so you, uh, you have two impersonations under your belt now. Uh, 
Obi-Wan, or so I go on the show. And before, sorry, before the show, pre-show, they are, I'm going to embarrass this kid and I'm sorry, but like it is what <laughs> before the show we do a, a test round. And so it's like, there's four, four podiums. It's uh, this guy, Randy on the end, Natasha, me, and then this other guy who I can't remember his name. Uh, Randy's dressed as a Jedi. Natasha's dressed as a stormtrooper. I'm dressed in my Jedi robes. And uh, the guy next to me has like a Darth Sidious robe on. That we made all of them, right? They wanted us to come dressed up. So they're all super nervous. I am, this is 2004, so I'm 23. I've been in media. I used to do a lot of uh, like interviews for Midtown Comics when like ESPN would come in or whatever, because like I could talk on camera and I was okay. Like I wasn't like stammering. You weren't yeah. lost for words. Yeah. You like could I get am to right the now. point quickly. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm like, I'm not nervous. I've done Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Kiddos. And they were all like a year, two years, three years younger than me. And so we're doing the preview round. And like one of the questions, like I'm cocky as all get out. One of the preview questions was uh, Uncle Owen buys a droid. Boom. And I'm like, R5D4. And they're like, no, let us finish the question. And let's sidebar here. If any of you kids buzz in before Carson Daly finishes reading the question like he just did, we're just going to take you off the show and you lose. Jeez. I was like, oh. He's like, you're out for this this question. What we were going to say is, and it's not Carson, it's like some behind-the-scenes person. Like a producer. It's Uncle Owen buys a, a droid that has a bad what? Buzzing motivator, right? Somebody else gets it. I get the next nine preview questions right. <laughs> nine. Okay. Then they take us backstage. They're like, we're going to do a, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly like this, like the behind the scenes of it. Then we go backstage and we're sitting around a table and everybody's looking at me because I just got nine out of 10. I ran the table, like stealing candy from a baby easy. And they're like, okay, we're going to do a tie, the tiebreaker question right now. And the answer is going to be a number. I'm running through all the numbers in my head. And they're like, and if any of you little freaks, this is literally how they're talking to us. Any of you little <laughs> freaks happen to actually know this answer. I'm like, of course I know this answer, you dick. <laughs> yeah. If any of you little freaks happen to know this answer, the first, you're going to write it down on an index card. The first person to turn in the index card gets their answer. If two of you turn it in with the same, the second one, we're going to add the number one to. So if the answer is 10 and you turn in 10 and he turns in 10, but you turn it in first, you get 10, he gets 11. Oh, okay. So now we're amped. We're like, got our pens. We're like testing them to make sure they're not like, this is a race to get in yes. like one, one, three, eight, right? I know it's going to be one, one, three, eight. The guy reads the question. How many people's names are listed in the credits to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope? And the other three people scribble their answer and turn them in. It's like, well, crap. Okay, do we want, like, if I overguess, am I going to get prices righted out of this? Like, it's probably like 500, but like, I don't want to get prices righted out of it. So I'm going to say like 380. And I went to turn it in. Like, the world slowed down a little bit. And I looked at what the other people turned in, and they were like 15. 46 22 <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> so we go out and it's the four of us and randy on the end natasha me this other guy 
And I feel bad. I don't remember his name. Dave or something like that. Carson Daly starts reading the first question. Finish this line. If you strike, boom, Randy buzzes in. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you possibly imagine. I'm like, he's fucking kicked off the show. Get yeah. rid of him. No, he gets a point. Next question. Something similar. Like, uh, what docking bay is the foul? Boom, Randy. 94. This is twice. Not kicked Next off the question. show yet. Boom, Randy. Precedent. Point. Next question. I uh, Natasha goes in early. She answers the question. She has one point. Boom. Dave goes in early. He has one point. I'm like, oh my God. So next question. Boom. I go in. My question was like, what hand does uh, does Vader cut off of Luke's? I'm like, his right hand. My other question, I think, was Han and Carbonite was the answer. So at the end of round one, Randy has five. Natasha has one. I have two. And Dave has two. Randy's buzz. We've all buzzed in early on every single question. I was like, this, these people <laughs> but i know people. i have a tiebreaker so i knew i only had to come in second tie for second so they read the tiebreaker they're like randy and jc will come back for round two natasha dave we got to say goodbye and it pains me to do this but jc and randy are going to be playing for a trip to go to skywalker ranch and see star wars episode three revenge of the sith before anybody else on the planet and i'm like Oh my God, my other dream growing up after being a Star Wars guy was to be Steve Sansweet and to go to Skywalker Ranch. And you can't go to Skywalker Ranch because like it's owned by George Lucas and it's private and you can't go and it's impossible. I'm like, maybe it's not impossible. <laughs> so we go backstage. It's a trip for two, you and a friend. We go backstage and Nelly comes out. He's promoting his new albums. And I look at Randy and I was like, dude, it's like, this is the only thing I've ever wanted in my entire life. I would do anything to go to this. Like, I'm getting emotional right now thinking about it. Like, it is the ultimate fan experience. Like, it's a trip for two. Like, let's go out there and have fun and let's just take each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's incredible how short a memory people have. Because Randy just kicked our asses collectively in round one. Which led him to forget how good I was in the preview round. <laughs> So you can watch the tape today. We come out for round two. Now, the reason I emphasize that Randy was on the end and then Natasha and then me is that now for TV, they've put Randy and yep. me in the middle spots. Now I'm next to him. And when you're next to somebody, you can feel when they're about to move. You can feel when they're about to go in. Like you can sense it, right? You're right next to them. You know when somebody's about to hit you, you know, yeah. right? I'm like, I'm going to play clean. I don't want to get eliminated. First question of round two, Randy buzzes in early. It's a two shot. They push in on Randy. And as they're pushing in on Randy, you watch me roll my eyes. <laughs> on national live TV, I roll my freaking eyes at this kid. Now he you rolled your eyes because he buzzed in early? Or? Yes, because he buzzed in early. They gave him the point. Question number two of round two, Carson Daly says, what number? And I buzz in. <laughs> Now I go into full on, I, I was like, because I was like in between question one and question two, while Carson's banter, I'm like, I am not going to let anybody take my dream away from me. Not going to do it. Carson. So Carson starts reading, he goes, what number? And I buzz in and the world went into like spidey sense where like everything stopped. I like turned and looked at Randy. I looked at Carson. I looked at my girlfriend who was in the, on the TRL stage. And I go, because you get negative points if you answer one wrong. I'm like, 
what did I just do? I'm literally having this dialogue in my head. I'm like, what number? There's so many numbers in Star Wars. But it almost sounded like he was going to say, what number platform? Okay, what platforms are in Star Wars? All the questions have been from the original trilogy. So it's not going to be from, it's not going to be from the, the prequels. What platforms are there? Well, there's like the East platform, but he said, what number? So there's the docking bay on the Death Star. Maybe they mean that. That number is 327. Oh, the, the platform 327 where the Millennium Falcon parks on Cloud City. Everything goes back into fast forward. <laughs> Right. This, this must have been. The movie. This must have been. Yeah, I was going to say, like in Beautiful Mind, where all the numbers appear around his yeah. head as he's looking, and you're just looking at Star Wars trivia. Hundred percent, what it was. I go three two seven. Now, when you watch the tape, <laughs> it looks like this. What number three two seven? That's how quick it is on tape. <laughs> right. Yeah. Carson Daly goes. The question is, what number platform does Cloud City? instruct Han Solo to land the Millennium Falcon on? And the answer, which was Jedi mind tricked, which Jason <laughs> Jedi mind tricked me with, is 327. Next answer, next question. It's like, uh, how much does, boom. I, I buzz in. Uh, two now plus 15 when they reach Alderaan for a total of 17,000. Carson Daly goes, let's go to the tape. <laughs> so they go to the tape, and it's exactly, exactly. What I, as I said it. And he goes, so I, I am now, it, or it's now four to one. That was, I don't know. Carson Daly said something like, by my math, because I did the math. He goes, by my math, if JC gets one more question right, He'll he win. clinches. Now, so now is, is Randy, like, freaking out now? Going, he maybe I should have taken the deal? Freaking out. He was freaking out. He's sweating. He's like shaking his head uh. like on TV. You see it on the tape and I am flying high, but I'm still <laughs> nervous because he can still win. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's four to one. They go to commercial. I look at Randy. He looks at me, shakes his head. <laughs> we come back. I answered that question. Carson goes, by my math, if JC gets one more right, he's going to Skywalker Ranch. Last question. Aunt Beru says to Luke, if he gets a droid, boom. I go, be sure it speaks bocce. And I win. I'm going to Skywalker Ranch. Impossible Star Wars dream yeah. number two is happening. Like, the most... Like, you've seen the signs. It, it, it's not quite there yet. Anyway, and I apologize. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing people. But, like, there's a lesson to be learned here. Which is, I was there with my girlfriend. Randy was there with his mom. Randy <laughs> went backstage, looked at his mom. Because my girlfriend was backstage. And goes, he offered to take me. And I said, no. I, and was bawling. Oh. The lesson learned, kids, is that if you want something and you have the opportunity to do it, don't be greedy. Right. Don't be greedy. Like, you could learn that in Star Wars. Don't be greedy. It's the dark side. Like, come on, kid. You think the best. We're at a Star Wars contest. You think. The greedy guy's going to win? That's not the way this works. No, Han shot first. So I, I take my friend Neil, who had gone on Rosie O'Donnell. He was my roommate at the time. I take him to Skywalker Ranch that May. We see the movie on May 5th. Revenge of the 5th, uh, 2005. So that's like well, about 20 days before it came out? Three, three weeks early. Three weeks early. And, <laughs> and back then, not known as Revenge of the Sith Day, May 5th was. Correct. May the 4th, none of that was, none of that was a thing. 
So uh, they have cast a bunch of hipster type people around uh, San Francisco to fill out. MTV TRL is doing a taping from Skywalker Ranch. Good Charlotte played like a whole bunch of stuff. We go in the Stag Theater, which is the best movie theater in the world by the guy who invented THX. Watch Revenge of the Sith. Incredible. Sitting behind me was the cast of that 70s show. Sitting behind <gasps> them, sitting behind them was George and Katie Lucas. Wow. Now, movie ends, famous people leave. I follow the EPs of TRL out the back door because I'm geeking out with them about the show. I'm kind of like VIP because I was there. And there was another guy who won like the European contest who was there. And, and so I'm talking to him. And we're geeking out. And really, I'm also angling to get a job at TRL because, like, you know. It's what I, you I do. It's what I do. And so I'm where I'm not supposed to be, but it's okay that I'm where I'm not supposed to be. And I'm, like, looking at this guy, and George Lucas walks out the door behind him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I look at him. I was like, is it really inappropriate if I go talk to George Lucas? He's like, yeah, you go talk to him. But, like, let's finish our conversation. Like, Star Wars is back, baby. <laughs> right? And I was like, hold on. So I chased down George Lucas. And I said to him, um, now a lot of people would be like, how come C-3PO has a silver leg? <laughs> I, was, I, I looked at him and I was like, I was like, hey, sorry. Like, I just wanted to tell you that, like, I'm an aspiring young filmmaker. and Everybody tells me and has taught me that you need to compromise your values if you want to make it. You need to move to L.A. if you want to make it. Haha, <laughs> I'm in L.A. now. At the time, I was yeah. in New York. Uh, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to play by the rules. You need to be. You need to compromise. You need to do this. And yeah. I said, for someone to look up to somebody like you, who's never compromised, who did it on his own terms, and is arguably the most successful. I get him oh, choked up now. Uh, arguably the most successful filmmaker of all time as a role model means the world to me. And I'm I'm just like I am now. Like I'm starting to lose yeah. it, right? And you go, I, I don't even remember what he said. You go, oh, thank you so much or something, right? Yeah. And I was just like, can I have a hug? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's great. And then he goes, all right, excuse me. I have to go take my son Jet to see Triple X 2. <laughs> The Ice Cube movie. Yeah. He gets in his Mercedes and he drives away. Oh. And I was I was unable to speak. And like, oh God. I haven't told this story in this way in so long, where I like yeah. started from being two till that the moment. Two. Yeah. Um, so like now I'm getting really <laughs> oh, it's I feel like Kevin Smith. Um, I mean so emotional about it, but like I'm reliving this like as I say it in real time in a way I haven't in a long time. But that moment changed my life. Oh, it's and a beautiful life. moment, and it's a wonderful moment, and it's it's an it's, amazing way to interact with someone you've admired for so long. It is um, like at that moment. Have you ever seen the meme that's like, "What would you?" <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what would you accomplish if you weren't afraid? Yeah, this is before memes or any of that. That George Lucas moment for me taught me that in real life so like when people are like my god you you opened scum and villain cantina oh my god you like traveled for major league baseball oh my god you've done this you've done this you've done this you've done this like like i i told you i wanted to be an 80s rock star when i grew up i went on tour with nikki six from motley crew like in the tour bus and shot video on stage in front of 
tens of thousands of people in 2016. Like, what would you accomplish if you weren't so funny? I cannot believe I'm so emotional. But like, what would you accomplish if you weren't afraid to try anything? Yeah. So like in at age 24 to be able to be like, oh, my God, I just did it. Like, I just did it. Like, I did the impossible thing. Like, going to Skywalker Ranch and meeting George Lucas is harder, arguably, at that time than making a movie, which is what my career was. And and at that moment, I was just like, I everything's bonus. Like, I am 24. Yeah. I achieved my childhood dream. And anything I do from now until the day I die is bonus. So, like, what the hell? Let's try to open our, a geek bar. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? Like, you can't take that other thing away from me. Which probably goes into your second question after talking for three hours, which is, like, when people talk about not liking the new movies, or not liking Book of Boba Fett, or loving this, or George Lucas raped my childhood, or all of those things, or, like, Disney getting rid of canon... Like, oh, the books aren't aired in the Empire doesn't count. What the hell do you mean it doesn't count? It's still on my bookshelf. Yep. It still meant the world to me, and it still does mean the world to me. And unless Bob Iger comes to my house, breaks into the <laughs> my studio, and takes those books off the shelf, and then wipes my memory, of course it counts. Like, it's not yeah. it doesn't you don't need Disney. You don't need George Lucas. You don't need Lucasfilm. You don't need anybody else to tell you what your canon is. What, like, your, what's important to you. What means something to you. And just because Walt Disney or Kathleen Kennedy makes a movie you don't like, um, like, it's, it's, it doesn't take away, like, look, I don't love what happened to Luke in Last Jedi, but it doesn't change how I feel about watching Luke in Return of the Jedi. And if it exactly. does change how it makes you feel about Lugan Return of the Jedi, it's not a problem with Last Jedi. It's a problem with you. Totally you know? agree with that. But, like, it doesn't change Return of the Jedi to me. It doesn't change the action figure on the wall and going to Toys R Us. It doesn't change what happens in those books. Like, that's my advice for the world of fandom. Stop letting a corporation tell you what's important. Stop. It doesn't matter. Like, look. I love Andor. Andor, I think, is like the greatest thing in the world. But I talk to huge Star Wars fans who don't like it because there's no myth in it. There's no myth in it. And I was like, there isn't any myth in it. But it's like the greatest story that you can imagine. It's the best. If it wasn't called Star Wars, it'd still be one of the best things on television. You know, yeah. I didn't really care for Book of Boba Fett, but I love The Mandalorian. And like... Okay, cool. And, Here's and the, the difference thing. between Andor and The Mandalorian is very apparent in just yeah. tone, look, style, all kinds of different things. Yet both of them are Star Wars. A hundred percent. By the way, Luke showing back up in the end of season two in The Mandalorian was magical. Everything I I ever wanted post meeting George Lucas. But <laughs> like it's also the people complaining are people my age and older for yeah. the most part. And I think the reason that they're <clears throat> complaining is they grew up like me, where like you had six hours of Star Wars and it was your whole identity and it was how you made friends and it was how you 
what you held on to while you were getting teased and beat up and the social pariah. And so, like, I understand the feelings of betrayal. I had very strong feelings of betrayal by certain things. But there's not six hours of Star Wars anymore. And there's not 12 hours of Star Wars anymore. You know, there's 12 hours of Star Wars from 1977 till 2015. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a really long time to only have 12 hours of content. In 2022, we had Bad Batch, which was what? Eight hours? We had Obi-Wan, which was what? Six? Eight hours? We had Andor, which was what? Nine hours? We had Book of Boba Fett, which was what? Ten hours? You had... Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi. You had five times the total amount of Star Wars in the year 2022 than you did from... 1977 till 2015. So like, like it doesn't all need to be squeezed to death. It does. You don't need to hold on to all of it because like your life depends on it because your life doesn't depend on it anymore. You can be the biggest cheerleader for Andor and ignore Book of Boba Fett. You can be the biggest cheerleader for Tales of the Jedi and ignore Bad Batch. There's so much of it out there that you don't have to Hold it so precious. That's like the the tragedy that I was talking about earlier, which is like, this is how you knew who your friends were. Yeah. You don't have to be that person anymore. And like life's a lot more enjoyable if you let go of of you when you were 10 who needed this thing. And you can just look at it and be like, oh, my God, like, I don't, I don't have to rewatch A New Hope every day for an entire year. I can I can pick and choose. I can pick and choose the part. Now, here's the other thing. It's all on demand. Like, you don't even have to wait and fast forward a VHS, and then you went too far, and then you have to rewind, and then you have to hit it so that you watch the part that you want. It's all on your demand. It's all at your fingertips. You can watch it on your phone, and you can watch only the parts you like. And that, to me, is like the idea of what's so wonderful about Star Wars right now. And what so many people are missing is just like, you can take what you love and you can leave the other stuff because yes. there's enough, there's more Star Wars out right now for you to love than there ever has been in the other 35 years that it was happening. And so, like, choose to focus on that, not on the, like, there's there's more to love now than there ever was when you were a kid and growing up. And, like, there's other ways to, like... I don't like, I don't want to be friends with somebody who likes Last Jedi. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Find somebody who loves Mandalorian season two uh, and loves the MCU or phase one of the MCU and loves Firefly, but doesn't love Buffy. Guess what? That person exists and they're on the internet and focus on those things. Like it's so much easier to find your people now than it ever was before that like you don't need to squeeze, you don't need to lemmy it from mice and men like it's all you also don't all at your fingertips you don't have to hold it out from anybody like everyone should be able to be in this sandbox and the representation that all these different properties or um a a separate star wars entities allow is amazing do you want to see a young boy Fighting the Empire? Well, you have Rebels. You want to see a young girl fighting the Empire? You have Bad Batch. You want to see 
a 18 year old female take on the empire, you have the sequel trilogy, you know, everybody can see themselves now in these properties. And I think that's an amazing achievement as well as the different voices telling the stories and, and allowing you to see Star Wars in a different way or even your own life in a different way because it's a different voice telling the story. Yeah, and if you don't like it, who cares? Yeah. Dave Filoni's going to make more Star Wars, you guys. Yes. If you like Dave Filoni's Star Wars, he's not stopping. So, yeah. like, just wait for Ahsoka and ignore the rest of it. Like, there's a, there's, you know, like. Well, let me ask I, you this. I, I, I don't watch the sequel trilogy. I've seen Force Awakens eight times. I've seen Last Jedi twice. I've seen Rise of Skywalker once. Don't care. I yeah. love The Mandalorian. But I've only watched Mandalorian once also. Do you know why? Because I'm watching Bad Batch. And then I'm watching yep. Kenobi. And like yep. Kenobi is a great example. Like there was some stuff in Kenobi. Like I would kill to see a O'Shea Jackson Jr. spinoff series that takes place at the same time as Star Wars Rebels. Right? Yep. So like you have Ezra and his people doing their thing. And then you have, I don't know what the character's name is because like who can keep up anymore? But you exactly. have like mini ice cube leading his band of rebels and it all ties together in Andor season two how wonderful would that be and like i don't know the first obi-wan vader fight in the obi-wan show was like horrifyingly poor to me it felt like the worst video game i'd ever watched but like the last obi-wan vader fight i thought was pretty effective and yeah. like really did some really cool stuff so does obi-wan suck do i walk around talking about how crappy obi-wan was no, I talk about the last scene and I talk about how yeah. great uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. was in it. And I talk about how interesting it was to see this side of Darth Vader. And I think it was know. great seeing Hayden Christensen in the role again. Oh, my God. And the flashback you know? scene of them training. Yes. Like, look, here's the thing. Eight hours of Obi-Wan Kenobi TV. If the only thing you liked was that flashback scene, isn't it worth it? Yes. Isn't it worth it just to get that? And that's the way I don't like the special edition changes, but it was so worth it to see new Star Wars. And yeah. so if you get one minute of new Star Wars that takes you back, that you really love out of any of it, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it than having it just lie dead? Yeah. You get and one minute a year. I would have killed from 1985 to 1997. <laughs> I would have murdered somebody for one minute, new minute of new Star Wars. I would watch Star Wars to Jedi all the time just to see the cutscenes of Jabba the Hutt talking in a yeah. Scottish accent. Like, I would have killed for it. And now it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, come on, man. Like, I get it. I get it. But it's also kind of like, just let it go. Like, watch Star Wars and learn the lesson. Like, let go, Luke. Yeah. Right? Like, let it go. Kill the it's past. Thing. You're not the same age. The world isn't the same place. And like, you're getting the thing that you prayed for. You're not getting it exactly the way you prayed for it. Kevin Smith says this, and I truly believe it. He's like, if you really work at it and you wait long enough, you can have almost everything you want, just not in the way that you want it. Right? And right. it's like, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and I will never do that. But I worked for Major League Baseball, and I was like, on the field when like the Yankees won the World Series and I've been in the locker room when the players were celebrating their win and I like did I play major league baseball in the major leagues and make millions of dollars? No. 
and I never will. And I could be shitty about that, or I could look at the experience I did get to have because I loved the game of baseball so much that I pursued it with all my heart and go, you know what? This is pretty special. This is pretty neat that I got to do these things. And to to ignore that and be like, well, life sucks because I didn't get to hit major league pitching and be on TV. It's like, I think you're missing the point. It's like Kardashian fame, right? Do you want to be famous for famous? Or do you want to be, do you want to do the thing? Do you yeah. want to be an actor, right? If you want to be an actor, you can be a wonderful actor and nobody may ever know your name, but you can still impact people in the audience at a local theater. Do you want to act or do you want to be famous? Um, and it's the same thing with Star Wars. Like, there's so much opportunity right now. Like, there are people who make money talking about Star Wars on YouTube. Yes, a ton. The hell? That's a job. There are people who make money playing Jedi Outcast on Twitch. That's a job. What? What? Are you kidding? What world do we live in? Like, I don't know. It's like there's too much good stuff to focus on the bad. Yeah. And to be mired in the hatred feels like it takes so much negative energy and so much defiance and so much just of your soul in order to hate something feels like a giant waste of time. I mean, that's one of the ways I came to this was I was like, I just want to enjoy what I enjoy and find out what other people enjoy about it and maybe change my mind. I know for me personally, when I walked out of Last Jedi, I was just silent for like 24 hours because I was just going, what did I just see? And a friend of mine was very like, this is the best Star Wars yeah. yet. And I was like, I don't see it, but I've come around to really appreciating some of the things in the movie. Some of the things, yes. And I will also say this, uh, just because I feel like we've crapped on the Emperor Palpatines who like let the hate rot them from the inside out quite a bit. The self-righteous people who are like, well, if you don't like all Star Wars, you're a oh, bad person. no are equally as bad and you're all you're doing is you're throwing fuel in the fire of either extreme yeah divisiveness if star wars has taught you anything it's that the hubris and the i know everything of the jedi doesn't work yeah so stop stop fighting with me that you love last jedi and i'm wrong the same way that the people on the far other side who hate everything and everything ruined their childhood. <laughs> All you're doing is the same coin, just different sides. Like, look yeah. it off. Like, let people like what they like. Let people dislike what they like. The, yeah. I, the one thing that I guess makes sense on the the people who spew that the hatred of it is that, and, and we've seen it in all aspects of society now, is... Uh, you can monetize hate now. Yeah, that's you can that's make a true. lot of money on hate. So, yeah. like, I I understand that aspect of it also. Meaning, like, if I sat down in the room with some of these people and like had an honest, off the record conversation, I bet you that like I would agree with like ninety percent of what a lot of the vocal people who don't like the sequel trilogy say. Now, yeah. there's. Some of them who probably are like, 
and women are subservient to men. And like, I don't agree yeah. with that. There's the infill like, faction of it. Yeah. Like I'd probably agree with like 90% of what they say, but it's like that you can't sell that. You can't sell the, the 90% that you agree on. You right? can't, you, can't you, you can't monetize even headedness. Yeah. It do, yes. You can't monetize like being rational. You can, it, you can, but not, it doesn't go viral the same way that hate or hate on either side does. Yeah. And absolutely. It, that's the issue. Right. So again, like at the risk of somebody listening to me on your podcast and try to cancel scum and villainy, I just want to be very clear that I just don't like the extremes of any of it. Yeah. So like, you know, you can't, don't come at me being like, you're a racist because you don't like Last Jedi. I'm not. I'm allowed to not like Last Jedi. Don't come at me and call me a Disney shill because I'm advocating that, like, there's 14 seconds in Last Jedi that I actually really enjoy. <laughs> you know? Uh, it, it is what it is. Like, it's it's yeah. who I am. I see that there's, like, I see the criticisms. I see the the wonderful parts of it i just choose to focus on the wonderful parts of it yeah and then and then go on to the next star wars property that you want to enjoy yeah yeah so that's part two of my conversation with jc reifenberg were you shocked that he hugged george lucas do you want to hug george lucas how much star wars trivia do you know let us know and get in on the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at Star Wars Mean to You. That's at Star Wars Mean, the number two, and then the letter U. You can follow JC on Twitter at Reifenberg. That info is in the podcast notes as well. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're liking the show, please give a five-star rating and review. It just helps so much. And join me next week for May the 4th Be With You Day. It's going to have part three of my conversation with JC, where we talk about what makes Star Wars Star Wars for him, the importance of geek spaces like Scum and Villainy, and of course, more Star Wars. That same day, a bonus episode will be released where JC shares his theory of why Jar Jar is the most important character in Star Wars. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.